0: and Responsible Gaming Resources.
1: Start! You can call me Bruce.
0: Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host...
1: Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. And you're back and we're back together again. It's been a little bit. Since I've talked to you, it's been almost a week now, and in the time that I've spent apart from you, I have gotten many of your almighty takes sent to me. So right off the bat, I want to tell you that I was worried when I started doing this section of the podcast, and I started doing some listener participation, and I asked you all to find me on Twitter, and hit me with the hashtag, almighty take, and give me your special teams almighty take that I will read off tomorrow for the purposes of that pod. And I was worried that we wouldn't have enough to fill an entire segment. I've gotten so many that I'm worried if it's going to be too long of a pod. And that is a great position to be in. So thank you, Bills Mafia and the podcasting community at large for responding so well I am going to give you the topic for next week's almighty take during this podcast. But we have work to do, ladies and gentlemen. No time for that right now. We have to get into talking about defensive coordinators because we've already hit the big two. The two everyone cares about because, you know, offensive league and stuff. Head coaches in the AFC East ranked, locked and loaded. The opinion has been outlined. Offensive coordinators in the AFC East, locked, loaded, opinion has been outlined. Now it's time for the defensive coordinators in the AFC East. And one of the things that's interesting about this particular discussion we're going to have today is that of the four defensive coordinators, only one of them in this division is clear, cut, and dry, always calls the plays, always is in charge of the scheme, Everything is nice and easy, black and white. The other three have varying degrees of, well, I don't really know how much influence there is there. And it makes it very hard to rank them, but we're going to do our best. And as always, we're going to start with the bottom and it's going to be Josh Boyer, defensive coordinator, Miami Dolphins. Now, this is his first year as defensive coordinator for the Dolphins. He was there last year, but not in that particular role. He was the cornerbacks coach. So we can evaluate how well he did at his job last year. So last year, the Miami Dolphins secondary was 29th in the league in passer rating against, which I think is a really good measure of how well your secondary is playing. Because if you don't know, passer rating has completion percentage built-in, touchdown-interception ratio, yards per attempt. But it doesn't count things like sacks. So I think passer rating against is a good measure. Not a great measure. It's not the best measure, but a reasonable measure of defensive secondary play. Of course, a lot of that is based on how well you feel the passer rating system is in today's NFL. Because you remember correctly from the discussion that I had with you guys way back, Passer rating was built a long time ago to measure how well a quarterback performed a long time ago. We have more advanced statistics now. So how you feel about using passer rating and the inverse function to describe a secondary is largely going to depend on how you feel about it using it for a quarterback. But knowing that it's a reasonable measure of defensive secondary play, in my opinion. The other one I really like for quarterbacks and inversely for defensive backs is net yards per attempt. I enjoy net yards per attempt. It's one of my favorite measurements of a quarterback and net yards per attempt. The Miami Dolphins last year were 32nd in the league. In case you missed that, there's 32 teams. So that's not great, Bob, by any means. So he was the Miami Dolphins cornerbacks coach last year in a year where the Miami Dolphins secondary didn't play well. Now, very important, they have Byron Jones this year. They have Noah monogamy this year. They transitioned away from Minka Fitzpatrick in the middle of last year. So it's reasonable to expect that the defensive secondary should and could play better in Miami this year than it did last year. So let's go a step farther back. Let's go to 2018. Boyer was with the New England Patriots, And he was a cornerbacks coach, just like he was in Miami. But this tells a little different story because he had a little different talent. 2018, if you will recall, was the massive breakout year for Stephon Gilmore. That was the year he was first team All-Pro. Now, he wasn't defensive player of the year like he was in 2019, but that was the big breakout year for Stephon Gilmore. And the New England Patriots secondary was 11th in net yards per attempt against, and seventh in passer rating against. So if there was a significant distinction between 18 as a cornerbacks coach for New England and 19 as a cornerbacks coach for Miami, and you think, goodness gracious, the teaching techniques probably didn't change all that much. Now the scheme did probably a little bit because they went from New England, where Belichick is generally considered to be a big part of that defensive system. We'll get on that later. He went from that to Miami, but he couldn't have been that bad of a coach to just drop from 7th in passer rating against to 29th in passer rating against. I think a lot of this has to do with defensive secondary talent. And they had more in New England than they had in Miami. It would have been interesting to see if Boyer would have stayed put in his role as cornerbacks coach, how well he would have done with Byron Jones added to the outside and Noah Igbenogany to develop behind him. But we don't have the luxury because he got promoted to defensive coordinator. However, he's never called plays before. So I don't think him being fourth on this list is an indictment that he's terrible, but much like my discussion about Dow Loggins, last week was the Friday episode of the Bruce Exclusive. You just don't have anything to go on that's any positive. You have that one year with New England, but you have to discount the fact that Belichick's a big part of that, and they've historically gotten really good secondary play. And then when he was in charge of less talented players, it bottomed out. So he starts at number four on this list. The third person on this list is Gerard Mayo. Now, the New England Patriots defense had a historic first half of the season last year. There was discussions that this was one of the best defenses we've seen in recent memory. Now, they trailed off a little bit at the end of the year. But going into training camp, safety Deron Harmon said that Gerard Mayo had been calling the plays during the summer of 2019. And a lot of people thought that would continue throughout the year because one of the big questions for the New England Patriots coming into 2019 was who's going to call the plays. Bill Belichick is going to be the defensive coordinator, kind of, or what? What's going to go on there? And in the summer, Duran Harmon let it leak and slip, which I'm sure Belichick was really happy about, that Gerard Mayo had been calling the plays. However, Jeff Howe of The Athletic confirmed that Belichick called the plays during the season. So you can't give Gerard Mayo the credit for that for a play-calling standpoint. Now, you can give him credit from the ability to coach the linebackers, which he is the inside linebackers coach by name. However, he is the closest thing to a defensive coordinator that they have on that defensive side of the ball, which is why he's here. Because technically, Bill Belichick is the defensive coordinator. But we already talked about Bill Belichick. We already talked about his ability to shut down opposing offenses to take away the thing that they do best and make them to do left-handed work. We already talked about that. So I needed somebody to talk about here who was essentially the quote de facto unquote coordinator for the new England Patriots. I picked Gerard Mayo because he's the closest thing to a defensive coordinator that they have. That defense was really good in 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, they were second in net yards per attempt allowed And first in passer rating against that pass defense was legit. Now, part of that is obviously the fact that they have the reigning defensive player of the year in Stefan Gilmore in that secondary, but he's not the only piece. So Gerard Mayo has more shown success than Josh Boyer, but has to be discounted because he didn't call plays. So you understand where the positives and the negatives start to balance themselves out As you go up this list a little bit. We are going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. We are going to hit the second defensive coordinator on the list. And the first defensive coordinator on the list. In ranking the AFC East DCs. Stick with me. Welcome back everybody. And thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive. A Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. At Bruce Exclusive. We have been through the first two of the defensive coordinators on our list, in our quest, our trek, our journey for the Holy Grail being the number one defensive coordinator in the AFC East. Number four was Josh Boyer. Number three was Gerard Mayo. Number two is Greg Williams. Greg Williams has stuck around as a defensive mind in this league for a long time because he's an above average and competent defensive coordinator. Now he has a particular style That doesn't necessarily fit with every team's personnel groupings. I will never forget watching Jabril Peppers for the Cleveland Browns play deep safety 35 yards off the line of scrimmage and then still missing the angle on a deep ball. I will never forget that. It was a source of constant comment from the Cleveland media and anyone who watched any Browns games, including myself during that time. And. No one will ever forget Bounty Gate, but we're talking about specifically how well Greg Williams does in coordinating defenses. And if you look at his career, starting at 1997 in Tennessee, these are the lists for him in points against Tennessee, 1997, 13th, 98, Tennessee, 13th, 99, Tennessee, 6th, 2000, Tennessee, third. Then he takes over in Buffalo as a head coach, and it bottoms out. 30th, 20th, 20th. Wasn't cut out to be a head coach. But then he goes to Washington, gets a little bit better talent, 19th, 11th, then back down to 24th, then up to 12th again. Then he goes to Jacksonville for a quick stop, 22nd. Then he goes to New Orleans. 9th, 4th, 2nd. Greg Williams found a team that allowed him to utilize the system with the players that were there as an extremely ultra aggressive coordinator. He will throw the absolute book at you. But then he goes to St. Louis has nothing to work with 21st, 19th, 30th, and then he's in Cleveland. No impressive resume there. And then last year he's with the jets and it's 27th. So he's stuck around And what is shown for Greg Williams is that he has these flashes of brilliance in his defense, and it's kind of live by the sword, die by the sword. It's in his case, it's live by the blitz, die by the blitz. He will throw everything at you. Now, there was a shining moment for the New York Jets, and that was that they were 12th in passer rating against last year and 13th in net yards per attempt. So they did get some decent defensive backfield play and some decent pass defense play. And despite what you might think from listening to some of these coaches at their introductory press conferences, passing and defending the pass is more important than running and defending the run. So pass defense is more relevant than run defense in today's NFL. And I think that Greg Williams's aggressiveness allows him to feast on some quarterbacks who are bad under pressure. One of the things I'll be very interested to see is this year how Greg Williams does against Jared Stidham. Because the knock on Jared Stidham coming out was that he wasn't good under pressure. And ironically enough, Tom Brady last year was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league under pressure. So Greg Williams is going to smell blood in the water when he faces Jared Stidham. Greg Williams is also going to be one of the defensive coordinators who tests whether or not the Bills' new additions on the offensive side of the ball, a.k.a., mostly Stephon Diggs, will allow Josh Allen to have more success against single high and cover zero looks because you know that Greg Williams will bring a lot of that. He was going to bring that anyway. Josh Allen didn't need to be bad against that look for Greg Williams to do it. He was going to do it anyway because that's just what he does. So I'll be very interested to see right off the bat week one versus Buffalo. I know what Greg Williams is going to give me. He's going to give me the kitchen sink. That's what he's going to throw at me. Literally everything. All of it from a cover zero or single high look. He's going to bring Jamal Adams down in the box. Let him try and make plays. He's going to sit Marcus May back. And he's going to let him make plays in center field. Make sure you don't get blown the top off of. I don't think they're going to go too high. And let the running game just eat him up from the inside. I do just don't think they're going to do that. That's not how he operates. And what you've seen is an extremely long NFL career from Greg Williams because he's a relatively competent defensive coordinator. Number one on this list and number one in our hearts is Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator, Buffalo Bills. Leslie Frazier should have been a head coach already. I said this on the Megapod with Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot last week. Leslie Frazier should have been a head coach again. And I think that in today's, sports world having a head coach who's a leader of men is more important than it has ever been because as the players get more and more power that matters i mentioned that on last week's pod i'm not going to go into it again but leslie frazier is one of those people and if you look at the track record that leslie frazier has had you can understand why you would expect him to do well when he was the defensive coordinator in cincinnati it was 21st in points allowed and 15th in points allowed. Then he goes to Minnesota, 10th, 13th, 3rd. Really good run there in 2007, 2008, 2009 with Minnesota. Then when he becomes a head coach, much like happened with Greg Williams, that starts to fall off. You wonder if that's part of the question with Leslie Frazier is when he goes to become a head coach, does he lose some of that luster he had as a defensive coordinator? But he got it back. In 2012, Minnesota was 13th in points allowed. Very respectable. But then he spent two years with Tampa Bay, 28th and 25th. He comes to the Bills, 17, 18, 19, 21st, 28th, 10th. Improving. Defense improving. Doing the things that the team needs to do to carry over defense is really, really, really underrated because of how rare it is to carry over defense in this league year over year. And it's not like it's a flashy defense that makes its living on defensive touchdowns. That's not what Leslie Frazier's defenses do. They play sound on the back end, they tackle, and they make you earn it. And that kind of thing that you've been able to translate regardless of defensive talent matters. The Bills having consistently a good defense year over year matters. Everyone was expecting their Gresham to come for the Bills defense in 2019. And not only did it not happen, it was better than it was the year before. He's got head coaching experience. He had it fairly early on in his career. He should probably be a head coach now. But Leslie Frazier directed this team to fourth in passer rating against and third in net yards per attempt allowed. That's really good on the pass defense. I have a super hot take for you right now. I think that Leslie Frazier might be a better defensive coordinator than Sean McDermott. I understand that there was a moment where Sean McDermott took the play calling from Leslie Frazier. His ability to take the play calling from Leslie Frazier and then give it back and not have any problems between the two of them speaks to the type of man that Leslie Frazier is. Now, I understand we're not here to talk about the type of man he is. That's not what this ranking is based on. But it also speaks on his ability to adjust because when he gave the calling back to Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott trusted him to be able to take it, run with it, and he did. And the defense improved. And the defense improved when we weren't getting premier pass rushing. We weren't getting tons of pressures and tons of sacks from the Bills' defense over the last three years. We haven't had a dynamic pass rusher that just makes everybody's job easier now we do have a lockdown corner we got two really good safeties but Leslie Frazier is doing what he has to do to see to it that this defense doesn't drop off year over year and maintains consistency and that is very rare this isn't the early 2000s Baltimore Ravens where you can just count on it being elite year over year over year defenses change so quickly Because it's harder to keep personnel, especially when you have a quarterback locked up, to taking a huge part of your salary cap. I think the test will be that if the Bills give Josh Allen that big cap-busting contract and we're forced to make do with lesser players everywhere else, can he continue to do that if he's still here? But I'm going to give Leslie Frazier the edge over Greg Williams because he has more recent success. That's the tiebreaker between the two of them. Greg Williams has had... Higher peaks than Leslie Frazier, but they were long, long ago. He had the most recent peak with the New Orleans Saints. Leslie Frazier, you can make an argument, one of his best defenses was last year, and there seems to be no reason why it wouldn't continue this year. So that's the tiebreaker between the two of them. That's why Leslie Frazier ends up being number one, and Greg Williams ends up being number two. Now, the part you've all been really waiting for, the announcement of next week's hashtag almighty take, make sure to hit me up on Twitter. Very important. You have to tweet at me and you have to use hashtag almighty take, almighty A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y-T-A-K-E because when I go to look for them, when I record tomorrow's episode, when I'm gonna read through them, the special teams takes, I'm gonna search for that hashtag on Twitter. I'm gonna read them down. So if you didn't use that hashtag, I won't be able to find your stuff. And I want to find your stuff. I want to converse with you. So make sure you do that. And this is the topic for next week on Friday. It's going to be your hashtag almighty take about this shortened sports offseason. This football offseason and the effect that it may or may not have on teams. That's the almighty take of the week. You tell me what you think will be drastically different or the same or whether or not your take is that nothing's going to change at all about this upcoming year due to the weird offseason we've had relative to the teams around the league or the players or anything you want. The effect that this weird offseason is going to have on something sports related. That's going to be your almighty take for next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive. I will catch you tomorrow. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumble.